Let us pray. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be always acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. I'm going to start out by asking you a question, and here it is. Have you ever procrastinated? There's a few less in here than there were last service that has procrastinated before. Well, isn't it amazing that you can, all that you can get done while avoiding the thing that you're supposed to be doing the most? You know what I'm talking about, don't you? There's that house project that just looms over you. It's a mess, and it's money, and you don't really know how to do what you're supposed to be doing. It's amazing how important small things become when bigger responsibilities hang over us. Or said another way, when one priority claims to be primary, all other priorities are threatened. And if there's one thing priorities can't handle, it's a threat. Well, in our gospel passage, we are faced with the priority of following Jesus. It is costly and it threatens every other priority in our life. And the question that permeates our hearts this morning should be this. How important is following Christ in my life? Is my discipleship threatening all other priorities, or have I let something take precedence over following Jesus? The Sunday lectionary gives us Two corresponding readings, one from the Old Testament and the other from the New. And both accounts are preceded by God's mighty acts. In 1 Kings, Elijah has just pronounced, just demonstrated Yahweh's power to be greater than the pagan god Baal by calling down fire from heaven upon a soaking wet altar. In our Luke passage, Prior to our Luke passage, Jesus had been healing the sick and casting out demons and raising the dead and calming the storms. So both of these passages mark a transition in the lives of their subjects. Elijah is calling his successor Elisha, who will follow after him. Jesus, having set his face toward the cross is calling unnamed disciples to follow after him. So let's begin by looking at Elijah and Elisha. As important as Elijah is in the Bible, we are only introduced to him in 1 Kings chapter 17, and he mysteriously ascends into heaven at the beginning of 2 Kings. Here in our passage, Elijah has been running away from Jezebel, Jezebel, who wants to kill him because he slaughtered the prophets of Baal. He ends up in the desert where he just wants to die. But God finds him, and he feeds him, and he gives him new instructions. And this is where our story, this is where our passage picks up this morning. He's told to anoint two kings, Hazael of Syria and Jehu of Israel. 
Jehu will replace the evil Ahab, which marks a political transition in the northern kingdom. He is also told to anoint his successor, Elisha, as prophet. As prophet. And this command requires Elijah, Elijah to return to where he came from. And the only indication that we have of Elijah's obedience is this interaction with Elisha. So the picture emerges, the picture that emerges is a prophetic transition. Elijah has done what he was called to do. His work is nearing completion. Elisha's work is just now beginning. And this transition is punctuated by the meanings of their names. Elijah means this. The Lord, he is God. And Elisha's name means God saves. So God used the first prophet to show the world who was boss. And he used the second prophet to show the world that that boss was the world's salvation. And what really connects this passage to our gospel text is Elisha's response to the elder prophet's call. We're never told that Elijah anointed Elisha. Here we just see that he throws his mantle upon Elisha's shoulders, which causes Elisha to drastically destroy his livelihood, which would include a plow. For Elisha, heeding this call meant no turning back. And then he sent out and followed Elijah and became his servant. Our Luke passage weaves around the story of Elijah and Elisha. To begin with, the time had come for Jesus to be taken up. This is, of course, a reference to Jesus' ascension and recalls how Elijah was also taken up into heaven in 2 Kings. Next, Jesus and his disciples enter Samaria, what was once in the northern kingdom. And the Samaritans are characterized by innovative and faithless worship. This is why they were at odds with the Jews. They rejected Jesus just as the northern kingdom had rejected Yahweh. And this is what prompts James and John to burn with indignation. They remember the story of Elijah and the prophets of Baal, and they ask Jesus, should they command fire to come down from heaven and consume the Samaritans? Now, they are good students of the Hebrew Scriptures, but there's still more for them to learn. For Jesus rebukes them for saying this, and they move on. In the following verses, Jesus teaches his his disciples, as well as other would-be disciples, what what apparently Elisha understood so well. And that's this, that discipleship threatens all other priorities. Discipleship threatens all other priorities. And Jesus has odd responses to his would-be disciples, doesn't he? But let's remember that the winds have changed in his ministry. He has accomplished the first phase of his mission, demonstrating the kingdom of God. 
He's already gathered disciples, so this is no time for minting words. Until now, following Jesus was exciting, maybe even fun. Yeah, perhaps dangerous. But nothing like the martyrdom that was to come. But now, as Jesus sets his face toward Jerusalem, toward his betrayal, toward the cross and his atoning death for mankind, things are going to get more difficult for Jesus' disciples. Jesus' crucifixion will threaten every priority in the lives of those who love him. Just ask Peter. Every denial of knowing Jesus was the result of a threatened priority. Do I love Christ more than I love my social standing? More than I love my personal safety or my own life? For some, the comforts of hearth and home are threatened. Will following Christ cost me what foxes and birds have in pos- possess in abundance? For others, family obligations are threatened. Other relationships. Must I forget, forsake my family to follow Jesus? Well, Jesus says, yes. And this is reiterated with another parallel to our Old Testament passage. Like Elisha, the third would-be disciple wishes to say farewell to his family before he follows Jesus. Now, this is a reasonable request, isn't it? After all, Elijah didn't tell Elisha he couldn't kiss his parents before following him. So why on earth would Jesus be less gracious than Elijah? Well, here's where we need to remember the context. Elsewhere, Jesus upholds the commandment to honor your father and your mother. That's in Matthew 15, 1 through 9. But here... There is urgency. And urgency has a way of illuminating our greatest priorities, doesn't it? Now, I could tell Janie all day long that that house project is my top priority. But she's no dummy. My procrastination betrays the truth, doesn't it? I might have good excuses, of course, even godly excuses. First, I need to check my email. Oh, I, I was going to go pray the daily office. Let me do that first. Or, oh, I, I told my parents I would call them this afternoon. Let me do that first. But the truth is, that project threatens all those priorities, all other priorities. But here we're not talking about house projects. We're talking about following the one God sent to show the world that he is its salvation. And this is the whole reason for Jesus' going to Jerusalem. He will suffer on the cross for mankind, and however important our other priorities may be, Jesus is not impressed with our claims to follow him. We must wholly and unreservedly follow him forsaking all other priorities if we must. For no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. In other words, every other priority in life 
threatens to pull our gaze from Christ. And when that happens, we veer to the left and to the right. But the call to discipleship is as straightforward as the path to Jerusalem was for Jesus. And it suffers no rivals. And so again, we are faced with the question, how important is following Christ in my life? Well, if I'm honest, this question has always haunted me. My plowing has not been in nice, neat, straight lines. Like Peter, my threatened priorities have pulled my gaze from the plow out of fear of rejection or suffering or discomfort. And from the beginning, I have understood that the cost of discipleship is high and I have found many excuses not to pay it. I've never been an outspoken person, so for a long time I was content with a private faith. But over the years, that has become impossible. Jesus calls us to faithfulness every day. And the pressures of this life become so great and so urgent that when caught between competing priorities, following Christ either rises to the top or it sinks down into oblivion. Brothers and sisters, this morning Jesus is challenging us to ask, what is our love for him costing us? What is our love for Jesus costing us? If the answer is not much, we need to ask ourselves where our priorities lie. Is following Jesus worth giving up our careers like Elisha did? Is it worth enduring a life void of creature comforts? Is it worth forsaking all others? Because if it isn't, I'm not sure we fully grasp what it was that Christ was doing when he set his face toward Jerusalem. It was love for you and for me and for the whole human race that led the Father to send the only, his only Son to suffer so that we might be united to him by his Holy Spirit, united in his death and his resurrection through baptism, united with him in holy communion, and to demonstrate to the world not only who is boss, but the salvation available to all through that boss's love. And this is far more valuable than careers or houses or lands or family obligations or whatever other good gift God has given to us. So, follow Jesus wherever he leads. And I don't know how you can do this apart from reading, marking, learning, and inwardly digesting Holy Scripture. If you're unsure what God is calling you to, start there. But also don't forget the themes of our previous lectionary readings in recent weeks, especially the story of Pentecost and Jesus' promise to guide us by his Holy Spirit. He knows each and every one of us, and he knows how to speak to you as you read the Scriptures. But the time will come when your priorities will be threatened. So pay attention. And in the words of that great American poet Bob Dylan, keep your hand on that plow, 
Hold on, O Lord. O Lord, hold on. Keep your hand on that plow. Hold on. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have called us to follow you. Lord, we ask for your forgiveness when our our gaze turns to look back and we veer from the path of following you. And this morning, Lord, we are asking that your spirit would renew our resolve to follow you no matter what, to be wise, but to follow you, to make you our top priority, the priority that threatens all other priorities. And help us be responsible in the world and the task that you've given us. But may nothing come between our priority to follow you and those other responsibilities. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.